I count on my tips and these hospital bills are confusing. The insurance adjusters just treat me like I'm a piece of paperwork. Man, you should go to johnstrausslaw.com. John Strauss is a great personal injury attorney. When I got hurt, he handled everything for me. He was on my side. And best of all, I didn't have to pay out of pocket. He got paid when I did. That's great because I cannot afford to pay out of pocket. Yeah, don't let them confuse you and trick you. They treat you like you're a business. And it's not business, it's personal. Injury. JohnStraussLaw.com Alex! Ed! Can you tell me what food relieves you in shock? Thank you. 
friends. The angels got the key and you can't get in. I know it rain, you know it rain. Rain too long, all night long. Rain all day, rain all night. You know we did it, didn't it? Oh, my Lord. How it rains! Sister Rosetta Tharp there leading us off today. This is the Labor and Love Show. Labor news, commentary, and opinion. Coming at you from Mutiny Radio, 2781 21st Street, uh, in the heart of the Mission District. The show where we tell you how it is. If one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, I mean the negotiating table where you work, you're probably on the menu. And never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. Okay, good morning. We've got a nice show for you today. Working the day shift, the morning shift with you. Here's John Legend. What the hell is going on? Mother, mother There's too many of you crying Brother, brother, brother there's far too many of you dying You know we've got to find a way To bring some love in here today Father, Father We don't need to escalate Oh, you see, war is not the answer for only love can conquer hate You know we've got to find a way To bring some love in here today Oh, picket lines and picket signs Don't punish me with brutality Come on, talk to me so you can see
everybody thinks we're wrong Oh, but who are they to judge us Simply cause our hair is long You know we've got to find a way To bring some understanding here today Oh, picking lines and picket signs Don't punish me with brutality Come on, talk to me So you can say Thanks for wrong. Who are they to judge us? Simply cause we wear our hair so long. You know we've gotta find a way to bring some love in here today. Oh picket lines, picket signs. Don't punish me with brutality. Come on, talk to me so you can see what's going on. What's going on? What's going on? Oh, what's going on? What's going on? John Legend there with a beautiful rendition of uh, Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. Okay, we started out with Sister Rosetta Tharp. Nice, calm, melancholy song. What's going on? Let's shake it up a little.
Pekka, that's Jimi Hendrix with his version, his signature version of the Star-Spangled Banner. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Labor and Love, the show where we tell you how it is. Have a unique show today. Hopefully every week is unique, but the woman who accused Emmett Till, young Emmett Till in 1955 of some kind of uh, sexual malfeasance or something that he touched anyway. She comes out and says, it's all false. It's all false. All those things she said that Emmett Till did to her, grabbing her, things he said to her are all false. Oh, gee, that's great. We'll have to tell Emmett when we see him. Uh, the state of Maryland... State of Maryland is looking at being one of the first states to give paid leave to women who are pregnant and other workers. We've got uh, President Trump's stinging defeat. Uh, momentum building for a massive West Coast May Day strike. A paid sick leave bill, as I said, coming up in Maryland. And what slashing the Labor Department by 21% would mean is what Trump wants to do. Um, in Columbia, all-women child care union emerges as a national player. We'll cover that. On Labor School today, we're going to talk about how to build a campaign at your workplace. We're going to see Robert Reich's take on Neil Gorsuch, Trump's nominee to join the Supreme Court. Anniversary of one of the great labor films, Salt of the Earth. And we'll have another version of the National Anthem. And as always, we'll have music of social significance. Let's see what we got. I wanted to play another Hendrix song. So I will. This is the Red House Blues, and we'll follow that up with something.
Jimi Hendrix there with the Red House Blues, sort of a modern take on a traditional blues song. And we heard Hendrix's National Anthem. Let's play a national anthem by a rapper named T.I. It's called New National Anthem. Okay, and we'll find out a little more about this guy after we play this. Here we go. T.I., the new national. Standing the Gaza Strip somewhere, man. Yeah. We here somewhere. We probably know him to it by now. After all, it's the American way, right? Home of the brave and free. It's America. Free just to murder me. Land of the handgun. Land of the beautiful. Home of the shotgun. Cursed by the You said it the home of the brave eye, yeah. I said it the home of the K's in the vet. All alone with the J's, smoking yay, cause it's stressed. Don't crawl with the tech, so the spray for respect. I learned from the bed, you can stay in the jet. Hard work from the vets, burn a rubber in the vet. It's good as it get, you can play with the red. Then I got older and learned, stay away from the red. God bless you, nigga. The hustle up and make eight figure. Turn from a goon to a great young nigga. I complain that you're doing with a tank, young nigga. I'm a raising the decade, I hate young nigga. I would dodge your police and cut the hate, young nigga. And we hate them too. 38 and them shoot. How to change of the system or take him through. He ain't a killer, but he will if you make him. Do a homicide here, right there, put him on trial Let him have a license and then do it with a smile And he only 19, he ain't even had a child As a child told him, mama, he'll be gone for a while And she cried, still did you put him inside Now she all on her own cause her other son died Listen to the politician as he lied and he lied He a snake in a suit trying to hide in the sky Home of the brave and free Well damn, officer, what I do? Free just to murder me Now hold on, man, don't shoot, I live over there Land of the beautiful Hey, hey man, what you doing, man? Cursed by the how many times did that happen to you? What the fuck you know about being a black man in America? And you wonder why we walk around strapped? Fuck is you saying? 
Hey. For the stars and the stripes, there's the bars in the pipe. Young nigga rolling weed and a cigar he could light. Bang red, either blue, selling hard in the white. Live by the gun, never run from a fight. Hey, bun in the hoodie, walking through a neighborhood. He didn't do shit to buddy, he didn't have to die, did he? I guess it cause his dad was a judge in the city. They didn't want him in the pen, wouldn't thug, they could get him. A jury of his peers said, all were forgiven. The tough one of mine, right or wrong, I'ma kill him. Fillin' with the lead, like the Prim Wall, Luther King head, like the Kill Mecca Man, Echo Hoover did, yeah. You can catch me in the hood where the shooting niggas at. They don't know if neighborhood or the Hoover did, yeah. With the Pyro's, the BLs, the GD, with me, we down the upright from the OG to Pee Wee's. For you ain't fit to live. Land of the beautiful. To get something you never had, you might be willing to do something you never done. version of the new national anthem all right ti is the name of the stage name the performance name of clifford joseph harris born in 1980 perhaps known as one of the artists who popularized the hip-hop subgenre trap music and that was his version of the new national anthem. And as he said in the in the song, he served two terms in county jail for probation violations on a US federal weapons charge. His song, The New National Anthem, asks all kinds of questions that our leaders, our society, the people who profit from what's happening every day just don't want to address that was T.I. Okay, let's see here.
Workers Independent News Week in Review. I'm Doug Cunningham. The Communications Workers of America say that 11 of its AT&T locals in California and Nevada, some 17,000 workers, went on strike Wednesday. The union says they are on a grievance strike due to AT&T violations of previously negotiated job duties of technicians. These are landline AT&T workers. AT&T recently imposed changes in job requirements without reaching a negotiated settlement with the CWA. The union says it has tried to resolve the issue for several days, but no avail. So the strike is on, and CWA says the workers will be on strike, quote, until a satisfactory settlement is reached, end quote. In a dramatic day of protests against the repeal of the Affordable Care Act, Republicans decided Thursday not to vote on their health care repeal. As House Speaker Paul Ryan canceled press briefings and stayed behind closed doors, protesters loudly decried Ryan's repeal plan that will take away health care from 24 million people. My name is Maureen and I am from Wisconsin. Paul Ryan, we're in crisis. Paul Ryan, we're in crisis. We need our health care. We need our health care. We rely on the Affordable Care Act to save our lives. We rely on the Affordable Care Act to save our lives. 24 million people lose coverage under your plan. Nissan is refusing a request to meet with the UAW and the Mississippi Alliance for Fairness at Nissan on worker efforts to organize a union at Nissan's Mississippi plant. A letter requesting that meeting urged Nissan to immediately stop intimidation and threats against Nissan workers who want a union. Rafael Martinez is a pro-union worker at Nissan. They try to intimidate the workers not to have a union because they feel that a union, the message that they're sending out there, that they're promoting, that all a union would do is shut the company down or move the company. That's not true. The UCLA Labor Center and Los Angeles Black Workers Center are out with a new report showing a black jobs crisis in Los Angeles. The report looks at the adverse effects widening inequality and lack of job opportunities are creating among black workers. Authors of the study say it's a call to action to provide real access to family-sustaining employment opportunities with livable wages, an opportunity for upward mobility, and fair and safe workplace practices that are essential to develop an adequate and dignified standard of living for black workers. The report finds black workers are facing this crisis as the direct result of regressive economic policies and institutionalized racism. Workers Independent News puts workers and their unions on the national radio news airwaves every day. To help keep labor's voice on the air, go to laborradio.org. Workers Independent News provided by Diversified Media Enterprises. I'm Doug Cunningham. Okay, Workers Independent News... um, Taking note of Mr. Trump's failure to pass what was going to be a signature Republican health care issue. And I think, I still think somewhere Barack Obama is just laughing because what he's done is one thing he did do as president was he brought health care to the table and he made it a, an important policy. In fact, so important that he was willing to water it down so much before getting it passed. But now the Republicans have to deal with it. They want to take it away, and people don't want their health care taken away. As Leo Ryan admitted uh, yesterday, Obamacare is the law of the land. 
Now we've got to improve it. We've got to get to where we have a single payer system that will both control healthcare costs and provide quality healthcare to everybody. Okay, let's listen to the radio labor now. Radio labor will tell us about world developments in the labor movement. The Radio Labor World Report. This is Solidarity News on Radio Labor. This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, March 24th, 2017. I'm Mark Boulanger. In the report this week, unionists are fighting for women's empowerment at a UN conference. Labor's campaign against the privatization of water systems. The Olympics Committee agrees to add respect for human rights in host city contracts. And the Labor Start report about union events around the world. This is Radio Labor. More than 8,000 women and their supporters are attending the annual Commission on the Status of Women Conference of the United Nations in New York. Radio Labor's senior correspondent, Seamary Ainsborough, reports. At the United Nations in New York, thousands of women and their supporters are meeting at the 61st session of the Commission of the Status of Women, the CSW. Many unionists are attending the conference. They have been discussing the theme of this year's conference of empowerment for women by arguing for the greater unionization of women workers. One of the global unions attending the conference is Education International. EI represents more than 32 million teachers and other education workers in 171 countries. It has prepared a report about the conference and the unionization of women workers. This is Madeleine Kennedy-McFoy, Coordinator at Education International Secretariat in Brussels. And I'm here today with Diane Wallachuk, who's currently the Chair of the EI Status of Women Committee. As we take our lead from the UN Commission on the Status of Women, this year the focus is on the economic empowerment for women and girls. Can you say something about the benefits that women teachers can expect to enjoy when they join a trade union? As I was thinking about it, it seemed to me that it fell into what I would call the three V's. So I'll go through those. Uh, the three V's to me are voice, value, and visibility. Uh, as we know, unions are democratic, and because of that, women are able to give voice to their beliefs, their vision for how things should be, their concerns in the workplace. They're able to advocate for for change, for improvements, and for transformation in their situation. And they're able to join their voices with other women and other workers throughout the union movement to push for that change. Higher salaries, worker protections, employment insurance, pensions, benefit plans, the whole nine yards. Um, I think unions uh, help us to value the work that women do. And I think this is how we can truly say that unions are able to accelerate the economic empowerment of women. And that's why a woman's place is in her union. March 22nd is World Water Day, a day set aside by the United Nations to remind people about the importance of safe, affordable water. 
One of the factors which can work against access to safe, affordable water is the privatization of water supply systems. In other words, taking ownership and control of water systems away from local authorities and giving them to private corporations. I talked to David Boys about access to water. Mr. Boys is the Deputy General Secretary of Public Services International. The PSI represents public service unions at the world level. I asked him, what is wrong with the privatization of water systems? Everything. Everything is wrong with privatizing the management of, of water and sanitation systems. Look, the first, the first reality is we've got to be clear that market actors and market dynamics, which means the private for-profit, must maximize profits. And therefore, any social or environmental issues that are a threat to profits have to be eliminated. So from the trade union perspective, what we've seen is one of the main costs in delivering water and sanitation services is the labor cost. So what happens is, well, good, decent jobs which pay living wages and, and might even have a pension, they're outsourced. They're made precarious. So, I mean, that is at the narrowest level of what's the problem with privatizing water. But because you don't have the choice of whether you're going to drink water or use water in your household today, and because you typically only have one network system, once the private sector gets a hold of that monopoly, then the, the options for abusing a monopoly position are huge. Under pressure by labor unions, NGOs, athletes, organizations, and other civil society groups, the International Olympic Committee, the IOC, has agreed to incorporate respect for international human rights in the contract signed by host cities of the Olympic Games. The requirement will come into force for the 2024 Olympics to be hosted by either Paris or Los Angeles. I talked to Brendan Schwab about the new IOC rule concerning human rights. Mr. Schwab is the head of Uni World Athletes. Uni is the global union for skills and services such as banking and retail trade. It represents some 20 million workers in 900 unions around the world. I asked Mr. Schwab why it was felt necessary to force the IOC to put respect for human rights in the contract signed by the Olympic host cities. Well, unfortunately, in recent times, there's been a, a series of major human rights concerns associated with hosting the Olympic Games. In Rio, for example, the major concerns were connected with the crackdown on local civilians by police in order to maintain what we could politely describe as a, as a secure environment where we felt that uh, local residents had their fundamental rights abused. There were concerns over the compulsory acquisition of property without due process and compensation. And if we go back a few more further years, say to Sochi, where there were problems with unpaid workers involved in the construction of the Olympic facilities, and even back to Beijing, where there was a crackdown on, on freedom of speech, we can see that the Olympic Games have struggled to live up to their mantra of sport being a force for good and sport being something which promotes the very best of humanity coming together. Now here with his report about union events around the world is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Here's a small sample of the almost 300 news stories added to our site each day last week. 
Our top stories section included links to news about the new deadline given Qatar for improving the treatment given migrant workers, the imprisonment of union activists in Algeria, and plans for a national protest strike on May Day in the United States. We had news of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. Here are just a few highlights. The miners' strike in Chile continued. Airport workers in Italy were also off the job last week in a protest over layoffs at Alitalia. 20,000 Indian car assembly plant workers held a one-hour warning strike over the sentencing of leaders of an earlier strike to jail. A court order ended a strike by Nigerian healthcare workers. Their issues remain unresolved. Indian solid waste collection workers continued their boycott of work, leaving huge piles of garbage rotting in city streets. Social workers in South Africa vowed to continue their strike after they were ordered to return to work by a court. Asbestos removal workers downed tools after being handed a take-it-or-leave-it pay cut offer by an Australian employer. A wage strike in French Guiana delayed the launch of a rocket carrying satellites into orbit. And Bulgarian retail workers held the latest in a series of wildcats in a protest over wage theft by the country's largest chain of shops and occupied the company's headquarters. Our top working women's stories included coverage of the call for the recognition of basic labor rights for home-based workers, the vast majority of whom are women, in Pakistan, obviously sexist attacks on the new General Secretary of the Australian Council of Trade Unions, and the women-led protests by agricultural workers against the construction of a huge new cement plant in Indonesia. The Health and Safety Newswire rerun in cooperation with Hazards magazine carried stories to hundreds of union websites around the world about the drastically decreased life expectancy of workers in the Bangladeshi chemical industry and new calls for changes to the rate structure in the Australian trucking industry after a horrific lorry crash last week. Currently, Labor Start is running nine online actions. Take just a few seconds out of your day and join thousands of trade unionists around the world in helping workers make their lives better, or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. And that's it. International labor news you can use. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity. Okay, that was the uh, the World Labor Report. Let's get to some music here. We lost a giant of the music world this week. Talking about Chuck Berry.
Okay, Chuck Berry there with uh, a beautiful rendition of Deep Feeling. One of his very early hits. Chuck Berry sort of hit rock and roll like a hurricane. He His, his persona was one who was making fun, making fun of the of the straight world, of the regular world. Roll over Beethoven, Chelchukovsky, the news. Here comes rock and roll. How about this one from Selena? After all, the show's called Labor and Love.
Beautiful song there by Selena. And got one more. This is maybe what people should have done when the first Europeans arrived. Through the night, 
Sun lights up the daytime, moon lights up the night. I light up when you call my name, and you know I'm gonna treat you right. You give me fever when you kiss me, fever when you hold me tight. Fever in the morning, a fever all through the night. Everybody's got the fever That is something you all know Fever isn't such a new thing Fever started long ago Romeo loved Juliet Juliet, she felt the same when he put his arms around her He said, Julie, baby, you're my flame Now give us fever When we kiss it, fever with thy flaming use Fever, I'm a fire Fever, yea, I burn forsooth Captain Smith and Pocahontas had a very mad affair. When her daddy tried to kill him, she said, Daddy, oh, don't you dare give me fever. With his kisses, fever when he holds me tight. Fever, I'm his missus. Daddy, won't you treat him right? Now you've listened to my story Here's the point that I have made Chicks were born to give you fever Be it Fahrenheit or centigrade To give you fever When you kiss them fever If you live you learn Fever Till you sizzle What a lovely way to burn Hombres muy valientes, por eso mandan latinos primerito para el frente. Y los ricos se presentan como gente muy patriota, por eso la clase obrera está en Irak calzando botas. Pero a mí no me crean lo que les digo, ahí tienen la tele como testigo. Pero a mí no me crean lo que les digo Ahí tienen la tele como testigo Por allá andan presumiendo sus aviones invisibles Que sus bombas solo matan a soldados y a civiles Ay Chihuahua, ¿cómo está eso? 
También dicen que sus bombas no se han dirigido mal Han caído en edificios y uno que otro hospital Pero a mí no me crean lo que les digo They say the bombs bomb whoever they want But how come every hospital turns out to be full of militants? Lo que les digo Don't take my word for it I saw it on TV. Y cuentan que los Hussein son unos hombres muy matones, pero cómo van las cosas a Bush no le llegan ni a los talones. Otros dicen que la ONU se opuso a la invasión, no sabiendo esa señora que Bush era su patrón. Pero a mí no me crean lo que les digo Ahí tienen la tele como testigo Pero a mí no me crean lo que les digo Ahí tienen la tele como testigo Ay, ay, ay CNN, Fox News, Univision Todos dicen y dicen y si lo dicen on Fox News, they say it, must be true. Solo que otros dicen que esta guerra es ilegal, pero por nosotros ser gabachos, eso no se ve tan mal. They say the war is illegal, but the white people don't think it's so bad. Suerte la mía, si me voy para Irak, Bush me da ciudadanía. In Iraq, Bush will give me citizenship paper. I wish you good luck discovering the truth. Como testigo la la Francisco Herrera there with his very nice little song Pero a mí no me crean They say that the gringos are really brave but uh, how come every time there's a war they put the Latinos out in front Questions like that. I saw it on TV. Sort of got carried away there with the love part of our show. We had Peggy Lee with her version of Fever. We had Chuck Berry and his deep feeling. Bob Marley knocked them crazy bald heads out of town. And this is Labor and Love. We're at the top of the 11 o'clock hour. We're coming at you from 2781 21st Street, Mutiny Radio. Mutiny Radio is really much more of just a radio station. It's a community arts resource. We've got space here that artists can use to demonstrate their work. We have ongoing comedy shows where comedians sharpen their skills Uh, we've got video presentations. We've got, you can rent the place for a play or a place for a meeting. Please come on down to Mutiny Radio, 2781 
21st Street and see what's going on here. We're here for you and hopefully people from our community will use this space. Sort of existing on a shoestring. I mean, we barely make it every month. So come on down and help out. Mutiny Radio 2781 21st Street. Take a little break now and come back. When we come back, an African revolutionary I'll bet you never heard of. Miles Davis giving us a little break there at the 11 o'clock hour. I'm going to get right into our next feature, which we call Radical Sisters or Women You Wouldn't Want to Mess With. And today it gives me a great deal of pleasure and pride to introduce my daughter, Vita Castanilla Morgan, who's going to educate us about a, an African revolutionary who's happens to share her name. Good morning, Vita. How are you? Doing great. Thank you. Good morning. Nice to be here. Oh, it's great to have you. Um, Thank you. Speak into that. Move that mic a little closer now. How's that? There you go. Much better. Perfect. Okay. Um, So as you know, we have a feature called Radical Sisters. And this is a radical sister I never heard of, which ain't no big thing. But uh, I wish you would educate me and our listening audience about this great woman's work. Okay, well, her name was Doña Beatriz Quimpa Vita. And she was actually born of the high class in Congo. But in order to really understand, like, Kimpavita or her struggle, her plight, why she was killed and, like, all the forces, there needs to be a proper context set. And, you know, of course, that context is one of colonization, the European colonization of Africa. And in particular, uh, the Congo. So prior to, like, the intense colonization that the Portuguese inflicted on the area that was the Kingdom of Congo before they came. Um, That whole thing that they ended up sort of dividing and it became Angola and all these different things was just one entire kingdom called the Kingdom of Congo, spelled with a K, not a C. The Catholics, the Portuguese, came in and changed the K to a C. And um, it it was... 
basically a lot of tribes, but everyone was united under the kingdom. And in 1482 was the first time that the king of the kingdom of Congo met with the Portuguese clerics from the Catholic Church and started to be influenced by them. And it was only eight years later until he was made Catholic. And as was tradition back then, if the king or the monarchy was of a certain religion, everyone else in this huge territory would have to be Catholic. And everyone, like the entire hierarchy of society and class and society and mm, how do you say, I guess, sex, everything was changed. Relations between the sexes, much more misogyny. Um, the same thing that happened in Mexico and all over Latin America with that type of colonization because it's not only colonization of the land but it's colonization of the mind of the thought process of expression of everything so that was in 1490 when that began the Catholic colonization of the Kingdom of Congo the king signed or became Catholic and then it was in actually the late 1600s that Kempavita was born. So she was born, uh, you know, about a hundred something years after this intense colonization occurred. That was also a centralization effort by the colonizers to like bring all these tribes and villages that were really just self-sustaining and independent into this like network of trade of religion of ev food everything labor yeah of course and so it created cities and boroughs and slums in africa not just that of course but not just that of course but you know like the catholic church centralized everything and changed things and like, of course, you can't say that's the only reason, but it's part of the mental preparation for that kind of degradation where you feel like, oh, I'm such a bad person. I deserve this, essentially. It's a guilt complex that they've been inflicting on people of color for 500 plus years. I love your point that when the Europeans come and create cities, they at the same time, of course, create slums. Yeah. Of course, that's what that's what happens because you need those people, second-class citizens living on the periphery, always ready and expendable for labor and whatever is needed. Profit, so yeah. yeah, so basically, over time, there was various national movements, nationalistic aims for the Kingdom of Congo, from the peasants, from even the nobility people, and Catholicism was practiced amongst the upper and lower class alike. Like it was a very wide thing. And during that time, one point I did want to make is that the Catholicism did unite people so much. So when Kimpa Vita and this smaller group of Catholics who were like really uh, big followers of this Portuguese born cleric, called Saint Anthony of Padua, who had come to the Congo and had become a symbol of salvation or of reverence and redemption for these people. So it became the Antonian movement. 
the Antonianism. And it was centered around him, and Kimpavita was one of the biggest um, followers of that and advocates of this movement. And the reason why it was so dangerous and so, I guess, heavily persecuted by the Catholic Church was because it was hostile towards European missionaries and it was a mix of Congolese nationalism and the Catholic Church. So when Kimpavita was a young woman in 1704, or actually she was only 19 in 1704, she was deathly ill and she she was basically just having all these thoughts and beliefs and one could say maybe hallucinations and she believed that she was possessed by saint anthony of padua and she addressed the kingdom's problems through her the problems of the community so saint anthony of padua was addressing the world through her she became a medium for St. Anthony of Padua. And see, this concept of a medium or a spiritual guide, a spiritual communicator, is something that is very common in pre-colonial African culture, and I'm sure to this day common all throughout African culture. And she was trained to be a Naganga Marinda, a trained supernatural consultant that basically deals with the supernatural issues of the community essentially and she was she considered herself a master in this divine communication especially after her ordeal with her illness and her belief that she had been a medium for saint anthony of padua and as serious as one may take that or not what happened after is what makes her so prolific you know this is this this combination of political and spiritual and tribal power something that really helped nelson mandela yeah a lot of other leaders and the thing about this is too like she's a woman she was a woman and she was the one who's saying oh actually she was taking the power away from the man because uh apparently saint anthony of padua decided to be uh, spoken through spoken speaking through her essentially so part of her divine communication was that there was an African holy family and that Jesus was born in Mabanza Congo which was later renamed Sao Salvador by the Portuguese and it was the traditional capital of the kingdom of the Congo so there was actually a time when she was only 20 years old and she was leading all these people and she her and her followers briefly occupied Mabanza Congo and would disperse basically to spread their message about Antonianism and about this rule this colonial rule and she started gaining a lot of traction because she was telling the individual kings or the individual rulers of certain areas that they should divide the congo territories under one king again the way the kingdom of congo had been so it could be restored to its uh, they she used well from what i'm getting there's a supernatural glory that she wanted to restore too which i can only imagine 
is part of the extreme uh, sadness and anger and trauma that hundreds of years of colonization could bring to a people. So as a woman who may have been in touch and comfortable to be in touch with feelings and emotions, seeing that the spirit of her people was like so drained and so gone and so wasted over this colonization process that they were just the collat like you know they're just the side it doesn't matter so aside similar to the indian um native american medicine man wavoka oh wow who founded the ghost dance to try to gain yeah back that pride that that's with, something with yeah nature. yeah that pride yeah so and aside from that of course she wanted for the congolese to take back economic and uh resource control of their land and but that didn't happen of course and she got captured in 1706 at the age of 21 by king pedro ii and under the order of the the capuchin monks she was burned as a heretic she was tried as a witch and she died when she was 21 and many accounts do say that she was burned alive with her baby as a lesson to show like because her baby was a daughter it was a girl so it was a lesson to show like no not only are you gonna die but even your possibility will die too that's it okay thank you so much and what's her name again uh dona beatriz kimpa vita kimpa k-i-m k-i-m-p-a okay <coughs> uh thank you so much um, you're welcome thank you this is so important that we keep these uh brave people alive these people who have given their lives um for social justice and have been so cruelly massacred murdered burned ah the beat goes on okay so that's our woman you want to wouldn't want to mess with doña beatriz campavita Look her up and uh, make yourself stronger by knowing about her. Looking, looking at labor notes now. Um, I want to see. We had a story about Maryland. A paid sick leave bill provokes a showdown in Maryland. Okay, so paid sick leave uh, for women. I guess some people call pregnancy a, pregnancy a sickness. Huh? Anyway, that's what it comes under. A showdown is looming between Democratic Party lawmakers and the state's Republican governor over legislation des designed to guarantee most workers the right to paid sick days. So we're talking about paid sick days now. <clears throat> Workers in Maryland don't have that. The new law has been moving slowly through the legislature, but scored an important advance last week when the Maryland Senate approved a modified version of a similar bill that passed the House of Delegates earlier this month. 
the increased likelihood that a final bill would be approved by both houses of the legislature in the next few weeks prompted an explicit veto threat to Governor Larry Hogan, from Governor Larry Hogan, who claims that the law would be burdensome to business. Burdensome to businesses. How often have we heard it? Okay. You give people some time off when they get sick. It's burdensome to business. At any rate, a showdown over the issue of sick leave as proponents of earned sick leave as proponents of paid sick days prefer to call it is therefore in the offing, according to Crystal Hall, a campaigner with a Baltimore-based advocacy group, Workers United. Support among state legislators is relatively strong, she says, and it seems that a Hogan veto could be overridden, although such a vote would be close. So let's, our, let's keep our eye on that, what's happening in Maryland. What would it mean if President Trump's, <clears throat> if minority President Trump's uh, budget is passed and the budget of the Department of Labor is cut by 21%? That's just in the first year. Future cuts would amount to 27%. This is from In Our Times. The budget would reduce funding or eliminate programs that provide job training to low-income workers. So workers who are thrown out of their jobs by automation or by their jobs being shipped overseas would lose these programs that retrain them to do jobs that might be available. Eliminate programs for low-income workers, unemployed seniors, disadvantaged youth, and state-based job training grants. It eliminates OSHA, Office of Safety and Health Administration's training grants, as well as an independent chemical safety board that oversees the use of chemicals <coughs> in biz American businesses. Also targeted for elimination is the Legal Services Corporation, which provides legal assistance to low-income Americans. A signature move by the Trump administration, which has come to mean breaking workers down. He wants to take away your public schools. He wants to bust your unions. He wants to cut the Labor Department, which is looking out for your good by 21%. He wants to take away your health care or make it so expensive it's meaningless. All these, th he wants to keep your brothers and sisters from south of the border and around the world out of the United States. These are workers who want to come here and do their jobs. Come here and live and pay taxes. He wants to divide us. 
as working people. It's an attack on workers. I haven't heard anyone call it that, but that's exactly what it is. Um, at any rate, Mr. Trump has met with a couple of stinging defeats, and this kind of, kind of flies in the face of what linguist George Lakoff calls the stern father, the strict father. Lakoff claims that by fitting himself into this uh, persona of a strict father who knows better than anyone who takes, who takes authority and makes the hard decisions for the community, claims that a lot of people voted for Trump because of this reason, that there's a strict father kind of ring to it. Well, the strict father has been slapped down by his own party. This was Republicans. Of course, the Democrats are going to vote against changes in Obamacare that'll make it more expensive. But there are a lot of Republicans who joined in that effort for one reason or another. Several of them said that it was because people's premiums would be higher. People's premiums would be higher. Trump promised health care for all that was going to be less expensive. And it didn't have, and it had more than a little to do with the fact that when congressmen, Republican congressmen, went back to their constituencies and had town hall meetings, they met with a storm of anger and resistance from working people of all ethnicities, of all uh, groups who didn't want their health care taken away. Some of them didn't even know it was part of Obama's work. When one guy when interviewed said, well, I'm not, I'm not in Obamacare. I'm in the ACA. I'm in the Affordable Care Okay, that's all right. Go for it. So all these things are attempts to divide us. Divide us from building a movement that could overthrow the unjust state. Okay, a little Miles Davis there. It's part of my point about dividing us. Listen to um, one of our most famous, renowned labor leaders, a labor leader who's still organizing people. Why the freedom to marry matters. I just want to tell everybody that a freedom to marry, a person that you love, uh, is so important. It's a human right. And it's really something that all of us should support. Uh, we can't let people who are not for human rights stand in the way of people uh, having the same uh, type of, of liberty, the same type of freedom of choice that all of us have. 
and we can't stand in, in, in the way of other people. And so I just want to urge everybody to do the right thing. We've got to support Freedom to Marry, uh, the act, we've got to sign the pledge. Uh, we've got to turn back all of that, the haters, right? The, the people that would want to malign uh, people of a different sexual orientation. Uh, people who are gays, lesbians, transgender, bisexual, they have the same human rights as all of us do. This is a civil right, so please, I ask you, do the right thing. Support Freedom to Marry, sign the pledge. Thank you very much. Si se puede. Okay, Dolores Huerta, one of the icons of the farm worker movement. And in another speech, Huerta said, we have to unite behind these causes because when we're all together, we are unbeatable. But we defeat ourselves when we divide ourselves up and become one-issue people or uh, so sectarian that you can't really stand to talk to anyone who doesn't really agree with anything, with something that you do. You need to join hands and work together. And speaking of Dolores Huerta, we're coming up on the birthday of Cesar Estrada Chavez, a labor leader who finally organized farm workers into a force that would last and wielded that force to break down a lot of the old labor regulations in the fields, places where our food is produced. And this is the signature song of Cesar Chavez, UFW.
de colores, por eso los grandes amores en muchos colores. The great love among people of different colors. Next week we'll have a much more complete coverage of Cesar Chavez. His birthday is the 31st of March. And we'll do pretty much a whole show about his work and the work of people like Dolores Huerta and uh, Jessica Govea and the great um, United Farm Workers Movement that swept aside the Lords of California and got a great deal of, uh, achieved a great deal for farm workers, including uh, Philip Veracruz and Larry Itlion. But we'll get on to that next week. There's another name before the public right now, Neil Gorsuch, who's uh, our minority president, Trump's uh, nominee to serve on the Supreme Court. And I wanted to get the point of view of Robert Reich, who's kind of a gadfly professor at uh, UC Berkeley and who served as Secretary of Labor under Donald Trump. Um, pardon me, Bill Clinton. Whoa. <laughs> um, and who put out a movie called uh, Injustice for Everyone. And uh, here's his take on Neil Gorsuch. None of Trump's Supreme Court picks should be confirmed until Trump comes clean. Nominating a new justice of the Supreme Court is one of the most important responsibilities of a president. But until we know he is a legitimate president, Trump can't be presumed to have the authority to make such a pick. First, we need to be sure Trump didn't collaborate with Russian agents to rig the election. Senior members of the Senate Intelligence Committee say Putin operatives affected the outcome of the election. The committee is investigating whether Trump or his aides collaborated with those operatives, as is the FBI. Second, we need to be sure he isn't motivated by financial conflicts of interest around the world. That means we need to see his tax returns, so we can be sure he doesn't owe a bundle to Russian oligarchs or big global banks that would be affecting his judgment. Third, we need to know he's not violating the Constitution by raking in money from foreign governments. For example, Trump has a 60-year lease from the General Services Administration for the property which is now the Trump International Hotel, a lease whose terms clearly prohibit any elected federal official from getting any benefit from the lease. Yet Trump still owns about a 77% stake of his luxury hotel in Washington, and his children are splitting the rest even as foreign governments assign their dignitaries rooms at the hotel. Until we're sure Donald Trump is a legitimate president, the Senate should not consider his Supreme Court picks. Robert Reich with his take on Neil Gorsuch. Uh, President, does President Trump even have the right to name a Supreme Court justice? Is he a legitimate president? No. We'll have to see if he gets called on any of this stuff, though. So now, the feature of our program called 
labor history. What's happening in labor history? This day in labor history in 1911, the infamous Triangle Shirtwaist Fire in New York took place, which killed 147 workers, most of them women between 13 and 23 working in sweatshop conditions. Some were burned, others were trampled to death, desperately trying to escape via stairway exit, locked, illegally locked by their employers because they were taking too many breaks. So they locked the door so they couldn't get out to take breaks. 50 died leaping from the high-rise building to escape the flames. The company owners were charged with seven counts of manslaughter but found not guilty. And there had been a campaign, campaign of 20,000 the year before to reform conditions in sweatshops. Uh, and many of the sweatshop owners signed on to it. But the owners of the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory did not. They were fined some money, they were, uh, their hands were slapped, but these 147 young women were dead forever. This day in 1911. On this day in 1987, 250 members of the AIDS Rights Direct Action Group called ACT UP demonstrated in Wall Street, New York to demand greater access to treatments and for national action to fight the disease. The famous story about the first stages of the AIDS ep epidemic is appropriately entitled, And the Band Played On. The public attitude, or the attitude of, of the ruling class, the ruling people in the United States was it's a gay problem. Who cares if a bunch of gay people are dying? That's the gays. We don't care about that. So it took a while. It took members of their families to start dying before action was taken on AIDS. On this day in working class history, in 1918 in Chicago, we're talking about March 23rd now, a trial of 101 Wobblies, IWW members, were charged with violating the Espionage Act for their opposition to World War I. Okay, leaders like Big Bill Haywood and uh, the Rebel Girl, were thrown in jail because they had ad they had told American workers not to go and kill German workers. How ridiculous. What a way to divide us. March 22nd, on this day in 2009, a riot in the women's prison of Thebes, Greece 
broke out following the death of Caterina Guglioni, a prisoner's rights activist whose campaign against the vaginal inspection of inmates. Prisoners began smashing jail premises and setting fires while a protest march outside clashed with riot police. We also have the Paris Commune when after a brief war with the Kingdom of Prussia the government of France fell after being utterly defeated at Sedan. The emperor fled and workers took over the governance of the city of Paris for several weeks. The Paris Commune and workers competently ran the city. Um, did work. There was a great feeling of togetherness and unity. Months later, the government, aided by the German army, sent troops into Paris to smash the commune and some 50 or 60,000 people, suspected communards and communards, were murdered by the army and the resurgent police. Far more people, for example, than were killed during the French Revolution and guillotined. Ten times that number. But as Marge Percy writes in one of her poems, that's a footnote to history. That's a footnote that 60,000 people were slaughtered, but pages and pages are spent on what's called the terror where eight to 10,000 people were guillotined in Paris in the early 1790s. Working class history. On this day in 1965, Dr. Martin Luther King led a march from Selma to Montgomery, Alabama voting rights for African Americans. While discrimination was illegal, in practice it was impossible for most African Americans in the region to even register to vote. On this day in 1975, March 20th, Operation Red Snake of the Parana began in Argentina when the Peronist government sent hundreds of police and troops into the town of Via Constitución to break a workers' organization, a militant industrial organization. They arrested 307 workers, but the working class fought back, going on strike and occupying their plants until the detainees were released. Remember, you're only alone when you don't stand up. And if you don't stand up, they'll say you stood up for sitting down. One more thing of crucial importance in the history of working people. Frederick Taylor was born March 20th, 1856. Taylor was the founder of what's called scientific management or simply Taylorism which was a scheme to improve workers' efficiency and break up workers' solidarity. 
was adopted widely in both in the West and by Lenin, Trotsky, and later Stalin in the Soviet Union. And what would happen would be uh, someone would come into your workplace and time all the little tasks that you had to do. And from that time on, every worker had to do it within that time. And you, your work could be speeded up. This was all in the name of scientific management. Uh, so you get people working, sitting around working together, building cars, for example, working in a garage, building cars. Uh, the cars cost a lot. The workers sat around and worked on them and talked to one another as they worked. The place was a, a, a worker's space. Okay, it was a, a workspace and it was shared. Taylorism comes in and immediately you get what's the killer. <laughs> the, the line where you sit in one place and do the same thing all day over and over and over and over. You remember the movie Modern Times with Charles Chaplin? Kind of a look at what a day of a worker is like in one of these factories. And these were all products of what's called Taylorism. Taylor thought that workers wasted a lot of time doing what he called soldiering, that they were lazy. And this was a way to speed them up under the guise of scientific management. That's what it was called, Frederick Taylor. You probably have Taylorism. When I was a teacher, we had Taylorism in the form of, well, everybody in the school had to be doing the same subject at the same time. Everybody in the school at, at grade levels all grade levels had to be on the same page in the same book. And when people came in to watch you teach, you had better have the teacher's edition in your hand. And you better know exactly where you are. And taking away time, for example, from recess. Cutting the day into small pieces. Uh, bells signaling when to go places and when not to. One of the worst things that ever happened to the working class. Taylorism. Frederick Lewis Taylor. Okay, we're, uh, we're at 11.42. We got time for our labor school segment. And our labor school segment today is about mounting a successful... Mounting a successful um, campaign at your workplace. One organizer put it, the key is that you create a situation so that management, from the time they get up in the morning till the time they go to bed, they worry about what you're doing. And if you're doing a good job, they wake up with nightmares. So on your job, you have the right to wear buttons, stickers, and hats with union mottos on them. No contract, no peace, fight for a fair contract, no givebacks. 
the NLRA says in some special circumstances an employer can ban all forms of insignia when a consistently enforced business plan mandates a particular public image such as a neatly uniformed delivery driver. driver. Aside from that, um, anything that might cause violence, you're not allowed to. A Solidarity Day is protected by the NLRA, so if everybody wants to wear the same t-shirts like the uh, UASF Teachers Union, you are allowed to hand, to distribute handbills unless the employer can demonstrate that prohibiting such activity is necessary to maintain productivity. You're allowed to distribute them during non-work time. Daily or weekly mass rallies are standard fare. Although the usual location is a public street or sidewalks, employees have a right to peacefully assemble in arts outside areas of the employer's premises, such as parking lots or walkways, as long as rallies do not disrupt operations or traffic, management cannot film or write down names. Informational picketing is allowed. In the absence of vehicle violence or blocking, the employer may not film or take photographs. Finally, work to rule. In a work to rule action, employees scrupulously follow company policies, procedures, and standards, especially directives dealing with safety and hygiene. No one volunteers for extra duties, performs off the clock, or works at more than normal speed. Everyone takes full breaks. In language suggesting a wide application, the board declared, where an action is voluntary, the concerted refusal by employers to perform that action, employees to perform that action, is a protected concerted activity and does not constitute an unlawful partial strike. So, uh, we had a situation like that in the teachers union recently work to rule where teachers workday is seven hours okay but everybody knows you can't do the job in seven hours everyone knows you've got to take your work home with you and you've got to stay late and come early to really do your work so teachers work their seven hours but if you do your work in seven hours, you don't have time for all kinds of other things. This is called work to rule. We'll have some more next week about how to mount a successful campaign at your workplace. Okay, right now it's uh, 11.49, 11.46. We better get out of here. And this is the B letting you know if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, that means another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you're not on, if you don't
you don't have a place at the table, the negotiating table where you work, you're probably, probably on the menu. And never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. This program is always is dedicated to the 150 workers in the United States who died today from work-related causes, <coughs> and the more than 3,500 workers worldwide who will die today from those same work-related causes. Okay, this is the B signing off. Good, have a good week and good work. I want to thank my daughter Vita for coming. Hopefully she'll be on on a consistent, more consistent way. Uh, way. And uh, my soulmate, Sylvia Ramirez, all you workers out there who work and have no hope, have hope. There's a world out there to be won. insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite? I'm going to guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternative to smoking. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby! Good, because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again! And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4altacalifornia.com. That's 4altacalifornia.com for a non-addictive, pharmaceutical-free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4altacalifornia.com. This is Tusha Matters with Mutiny Radio. Big up to the number one station, the ruling nation. Give it to me every time. Ah!
Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than MutinyRadio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are you on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk, MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Subliminal SF brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to 
www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. Second annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival is coming March 1st through 5th, 20. People, the name of this show is Flat Black Plastic because that's where the sound that you hear is coming from. And this is MutinyRadio.fm. I do a little creative wig bubble for you called God's Own Drunk. I want the boys to, of course, for their Prince Bernard and Sir James and the Lady Doris and Prince Valentine. You know, a creative orchestra, the Lords and the Ladies, is a rare and delightful thing, right? Look, do you see any music? I got to do a thing for you called the cop-out one time. It's a beautiful thing. And a thing called the bad rapping of the Marquis de Sade. <laughs> Very interesting affair. But for the moment, I'd like to do for you God's own drunk. Said, hey, just like I say before, I, I'm a non-drinking man. Never drank for some reason or other. Didn't like it. But like I said, too, I promise you take care of my brother-in-law still while he went in the boat. <laughs> went up there, and it was just where the map said it was. And I'm going to tell you something. There's no little old five or ten cents still. It was laid there just like a golden mountain opal. With a kind of a honeydew cry coming from it. I had a drinking man like I explained to you, but that big old yellow moon was a hanging out there. God's lanterns was a hanging in the sky. And that curiosity got the best of me. And it took a slash. And I got a crazy revolutionary feeling in my body. That yellow whiskey went down my throat like honeydew vine water. Tasted mighty good. I felt a revolution.